And welcome back once again to another episode of the One Giant Podcast, where, as always, I am Adam Marbrecht, and over there is Andy Makowitz. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, but I'm not doing as good as Patrick Mahomes is doing right now, Adam. I recently signed a contract myself, and I, I was feeling pretty bullish on it. When, when LeBron James is asking to borrow money on Twitter, you know that you've hit it big. You better believe it. Yeah. So obviously, uh, listen, in the dog days of, of summer that we're in right now, we go where the news takes us. And this is about as monumental as you can get. And I guess we, th- we thought that this could be coming sooner than later, obviously. But this felt, relatively speaking, it felt like the news around Mahomes and this extension came out of nowhere when so much of the conversation has been around Dak Prescott and what's happening in Dallas, right? But but nevertheless, Mahomes signs a massive 10-year extension, and you have you have the details on, on this contract there. We can kind of get into some of the minutiae and, and the value for both sides. Yeah, and, and as you said before, it does have a lot to do um, uh, with how the organization handled everything. All we hear is about the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. When Mahomes was an MVP and won the Super Bowl and – you know, his deal essentially is a 12-year deal that can get up to about $503 million. And what, what I find funny about this is a lot of the times these contracts are just made to, to be kind of right around round numbers. So it really sounds good in the media. So like this is a 12-year deal worth half a billion dollars. That just sounds right. better than like $422 million, doesn't it? Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's such a paltry number when you just say 400 and something million dollars, but when you say half a billion dollars, good. It changes the game. It knocks knocks your socks off. If you're wearing socks during the summertime, they're clean, knocked off. (laughs) Exactly. But what, one of the things that I I think is important to know, and, and uh, shout out to Bill Barnwell of ESPN. I think he gave a really good um, breakdown of this deal, just from a, a little bit of a numbers perspective, because when you hear the headline and that's exactly what this was is, you know, $500 $500 million, <laughs> you know, w- when you actually break it down, it's, it's, and you kind of compartmentalize some of the pieces of this deal, it gets a little bit more reasonable. And I know that sounds crazy with the numbers that we're talking about, but I'll give an example. So when you compare the first six years of this deal, which is the two existing years that Patrick Mahomes had left on his contract, which was two years, $27 million total, mm-hmm. which is probably the, the biggest steal in all of sports. Uh, you tack on the additional four years at 155 million, and his total contract value is 183 in the first six years of this contract. How does that compare to the average salary of all the other guys that have signed? You know, your Jared Goffs, your Carson Wentz's, and you know they're making 26 million a year, 25 million a year when they sign their deals. Patrick Mahomes' average salary over the first six years is 30 million dollars. So his cap percentage for the team is about a percent and a half more than what Carson Wentz signed for with the Eagles. So when you break it down for the first six years, it's not as ludicrous as you'd think. It's really the numbers that you get into year seven to 12, where we're talking about $50 million. That seems kind of a crazy number. But when you think about how, bit, how much the NFL cap goes up, how all these teams make so much money, is it really that unreasonable that uh, the best quarterback in the league could be making $50 million in seven years. I was going to say, you know, by the time you get to that place where you're making upwards of 50 million at worst, I think it's going to be right in the ballpark of where these other quarterbacks are at best. You could actually be getting 
quote, you know, quote value on $52 million. But so, you know, I want to get into the, the, the organization side and the player side of this, because there there's more things beyond the money. It comes down to uh, obviously production on the field, but then personality types, I think really play into this as well. The other two little quick figures off of this uh, contract information as well was that he got the 63 million guaranteed uh, at the point of the signing. And then there's also the $141 million guarantee in the event of an injury. So on its surface as well, from a Patrick Mahomes standpoint, knowing that he dealt with an injury that in the moment looked like it could have been about as brutal for a career as you've ever seen, and then comes back and goes on to win a Super Bowl. But, but he has now security as well, right? Early security in case anything were to go wrong. And to speak to, oh, go, go ahead. Yeah, what I was going to say is that early security is important, but Adam, the new buzzword in the NFL when all these quarterbacks get signed is going to be guaranteed mechanisms as opposed to how much money are you guaranteed. There's this new terminology that isn't new in terms of how they guarantee the money to the players. It's just new because we found a new buzzword to be able to use for it. Mm. Um, But while Patrick Mahomes is guaranteed $140 this, that seems kind of low considering that the deal could be upwards of half a billion dollars, right? But the way that the team structured it, and this can kind of go into the organizational stuff as well, is, you know, the idea for players is if they, if, if it's a team option at any point, they want it as early in the league year as humanly possible so that they have an opportunity to hit the market before all these teams have used up their cap space. What really good players get is they get their, their salaries guaranteed the year prior to, having having whatever league year it is so mm-hmm. if Patrick Mahomes goes out and tears his ACL and they don't know if he's going to come back as the same player if he did it during the season his his salary for the next year of 45 million dollars has already been guaranteed by the team so you know one of the things that he's got is he's got an extra year of security in front of him so as long as he's staying healthy he's going to get all of that money yeah and then when you mentioned the the six years the first six years being reasonable or, you know, being fairly friendly. The value there to me is, is this, Oh, it's always been the idea of, right. When do you pay a quarterback? Because once you do, and it eats up X percentage of your cap space, how are you going to manage that? What I think you're looking at right now is, is that you've extended that rookie window in a way for Mahomes now where you go, okay, we already, we already tagged the championship here. First time in 50 years for the Kansas city chiefs. Now we open up this window just a little bit wider. You're still going to lose something as you get into years five and six as far as flexibility. But now maybe if you if you can win even just one over the next six years, which might be lowballing the, you know, the opportunity that the Chiefs are going to have with the homes there. The other thing that it affords you is to look at the roster and say, around years three or four, we take a look at skill positions and we say, how do we prepare, right? How do we target guys in, in a couple of draft classes so that we end up with young, talented receivers, young, talented running backs. So that then as you surge into that middle wave in the later portions of this contract, you're really going to be rebooting it to hopefully be able to continue to run strong with a high price quarterback, something that teams usually struggle with, especially when you get so heightened around offensive line, you know, and all these other key components, it usually all crescendos where in the middle 27, 28 years old, you go, all right, we're going to have a couple of lean years where we need to reboot. Well, and the other thing, and I think this is pretty much a foregone conclusion, is there is a 0% chance that they actually see this thing through for 12 years. Because the way, the way that the contract right. works is like, if he's not playing well or he's a shell of himself 
you know, five, six, seven years down the road, they're going to figure out a way to get out of the last couple of years. You know, granted, they have to pay that extra year up front and then they, they can kind of get out of it with, with no more guarantees. But also, if Patrick Mahomes is playing well and, he, and he's not getting market value anymore, they're just going to re-up the deal and, and give him more money up front to be able to do that. So there's going to be quite a few different contract restructures in this thing. Um, and, and to that point is as they start figuring out when they need money, they can always go to Patrick and say, hey, we're willing to give you more up front as a signing bonus as long as we can get more cap flexibility in this year or next year or however it's going to be. So it's it's kind of interesting that it's 12 years. I think it it's good for a headline. He wants to be there. The organization wants him. But, you know, I, I really think this is probably more like a five or six year deal with the opportunity to just keep it going if we really want to. Like we don't have to have that like weird end deadline mm-hmm. that the Dallas Cowboys are, are fast approaching. Yeah. And just quickly, you know, no signing bonuses from the 2025 year on in this contract. The roster bonuses decelerate over the length of the contract down to by 2031, 13.9 million. And obviously the salary continues to go up. So you can see how they're balancing this thing out from, from each end of the spectrum. Um, I, I, I have some more thoughts on Mahomes in general, but you, you brought up Dallas and we were texting back and forth about this uh, when this contract first came out. I know that obviously this is good for, for, for Dak Prescott, right? It only helps Dak Prescott and it only makes Dallas look worse as far as not getting out ahead of this and getting a deal locked in. What, what I will say is it's going to be interesting <laughs> What what is Dallas going to do, right? Because you're still faced with the same situation. And when, when we were talking about this before we recorded, my my thing that's going to lock Dallas into Dak Prescott more than any other reason is that when you look at the free agency landscape, unless you're going draft and trying to get the next young quarterback, there's not going to be a lot of names hitting the market short of a couple that could be very interesting, but w- what are the biggest factors for you right now when you talk about Dallas and how they're going to have to approach Dak Prescott now as opposed to what they could have accomplished even six months ago? So Carson Wentz is guaranteed $128 million in his new deal. Uh, essentially, you mentioned it before, Patrick Mahomes up that to 140, 141-ish million mm-hmm. in guarantees, you know, injury guarantees. You know, even even if, you know, a, any normal person, even if Dak Prescott can fully admit, I haven't accomplished as much as Patrick Mahomes. I may not have the same upside as Patrick Mahomes, but I'm still a top 10, 15 quarterback, you know, whatever he thinks he is, top five quarterback. You sit there and say, well, I don't need to get Patrick Mahomes money, but every year it continues to go up. If Carson Wentz signed for $128 million guaranteed, I should probably slot right in between Patrick Mahomes and, and Carson Wentz. Um, you know, somewhere in the 130, $132 million range. So for Dak, this is great. It's just showing the the quantum leap that they're taking and how big these contracts can get. And even if he doesn't match up with Patrick Mahomes, you know, you shoot for the moon and, mm-hmm. he, and you still end up in it, you know, amongst the stars, right? And that and that's kind of what I think Dak is is seeing here. And you look at someone like Deshaun Watson, he must be, you know, rubbing his hands together as well, being in a similar position, saying, you know, give me my $38 million. I don't need 41, but I certainly need more than Carson Wentz got. Yeah. And the interesting thing too, is because all along the way here, uh, Prescott's camp has been, what they've been trying to aim for is a shorter contract 
so they can get back into the market in, say, three years, whereas Dallas is trying to get a little bit more longevity out of it and still maybe, you know, quibbling over what the the annual salary is going to look like. But that's been the problem, too, here is control, because what Dak probably would love to do is I want to see. Lamar Jackson get his next deal. I want to see some of these other younger, even younger quarterbacks get their next big contract. And if I can accomplish something over the next couple of seasons, then I can be in line to actually jump and maybe get myself into a tier that right now you don't think uh, I'm terribly deserving of. Do you think that there's any way that Dallas, is there any way that that Dallas doesn't have Dak Prescott on this team? Is there any way that they move on from him? And I'll, I'll throw out that, that curiosity which it's connecting dots that probably shouldn't be because this relationship didn't end well, but you have McCarthy there in Dallas. Now we know that it it feels like Aaron Rodgers is not going to live out his career in green Bay, potentially not just because they drafted a quarterback early, but it just seems like that relationship is maybe coming apart a little bit. And if, if Aaron Rodgers wants to win another championship, he may have to go somewhere else to do it. That's maybe one of the bigger names that could be out there next off season. Short of that though, is Dallas just in this in this position of saying like, listen, this is what we're this is who we're locked into. Unless we're going to reboot this franchise and draft a rookie quarterback, like this is where we have to go. Or unless we're going with uh with uh, you know Andy Dalton, you, this is where we're at. Well, the thing that I keep going back to is Dallas has had multiple opportunities over the last two and a half years to sign Dak Prescott. Instead, they prioritized Ezekiel Elliott getting signed. They prioritized Amari Cooper getting signed. And now here we sit and Dak's price just continues to go up. So there's only two schools. There's literally two schools of thought. It's either if Dak Prescott is the, is the guy we think he is, and he's a top five quarterback, we're going to pay him top echelon money. And we know that we have to pay him no matter what. The other side of it is, is just to say, we're not hundred percent sold. We've just put such a good team around him. We have him under team control, essentially on a two year, $70 million contract. And we're going to make him pay, play it out. And if at the end of it, we offer him a very lucrative contract and he goes somewhere else and, and outplays that contract, like then so be it. But mm-hmm. they, they kind of have him under under team control. And and I don't think for them there's any impetus to to just all of a sudden throw out $42 million a year to Dak Prescott. Any chance that Dak Prescott finds himself in, you know, a conference championship or maybe even makes it to a Super Bowl and and then he turns around and says, see ya. Well, thanks. Well, th- thanks so much. You could have paid me. Uh, I'll go, you know, but that that's the risk that uh, the Cowboys are, are playing. They're basically saying, show me again, Dak, that you are a franchise quarterback. And if he does, that means that he just becomes that much more expensive to them. Yeah. So like it, it, it is kind of irrational to me that either he, you know, you've seen enough, he's got enough body of work at this point to be able to say like, do we want this guy for the next five years? And if he wants four, can we get him signed? I, it, it just seems baffling. And to me, it's a lot of media-driven stuff that, that, that we love to talk about. They still have t- till July 15th to be able to hammer something out. I think after that um, is when anyone that's on the franchise tag has to play on the tag. You can't, you can't work on a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. So they do have a couple, a couple more days. It might be a, a week or two to, to be able to, to iron things out. And really, I don't think any of these things ever get done unless there is an actual deadline in place. It all just becomes fodder. And people just kind of go through the media to say, well, I'm hoping I get 50 million now that Patrick Mahomes gets signed. 
Uh, and the other interesting thing too is like that that the philosophical shift within that organization with Stephen Jones. We know Jerry Jones has been the man in charge there, but there's some shift in that as far as who's going to be in power and who's going to be in control going forward uh, as Stephen takes on more and more responsibilities there. That becomes curious, just curious to me as well. You know that you have Zeke under contract till 2027. You have Cooper until 2025, but. There's some, you know, I'd be so curious, and this is about any team, not just Dallas, that if you can achieve the ultimate goal and win a championship and then go, okay, we're going to jettison Amari Cooper, we're going to jettison Ezekiel Elliott, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we'll strip it down now. Now that we've achieved it, we can reboot this thing and maybe try to work out our, our details a little bit better this time around and maybe still pay Dak Prescott and say, now we'll have you and we'll, we'll, we'll build a strong offensive line and we'll once again look to build up those pieces uh, around you. Well, that's that's a great question. Do they pull a, a Miami Marlins and just like win it once every ten years, tear it down, keep the a couple of pieces, and then rebuild? I mean, D- Dallas is too big of a franchise to ever really do that. They just reload. They're like the Yankees. Um, what, one thing that that keeps popping up in my mind is you and I have talked offline about Deshaun Watson. So he's someone else that's up potentially for a new contract extension. Who knows what's going on with the Texans? Bill O'Brien seems to be like just like flipping a coin and trading players away like DeAndre Hopkins and and taking David Johnson back and making very, very strange moves uh, from a front office perspective. But I kind of go back and forth and say, okay, Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott are going to be set for new deals. Who deserves more money and why? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I I think you make the argument that that Watson has shown more, I'm putting it in quotations, with less. Now, he had a true elite number one wide receiver, something that Dak Prescott hasn't had for his career, but he had Ezekiel Elliott, right? And you've had a very rotating cast of characters in the backfield for for Houston. Um, Dallas has had a far better... Like The team has always been better in Dallas, by and large, I would say, than in Houston. So you would think that Dak would have accomplished more and in a very weak division year in and year out. But I don't know. It's like you have to ask the question is like, how responsible is Dak for the success or failure in Dallas? And then how responsible is Watson for the success or failure in Houston? I'd argue that Watson has done far more to help them win there and has moved the needle for that franchise, including what's been going on with the head coach slash GM. You know, the stability there has been far rockier. I think that he has brought far more value to that franchise than Dak has to Dallas. And in that, and I also, and I also just on paper, I would say I'd rather have Deshaun Watson than Dak Prescott. Well, I I would agree too. Uh, I think uh, unbiased opinion, even though we are uh, a Giants podcast, is I I do think Deshaun Watson is just an overall better quarterback. Um, The one thing that he kind of has a knock against him is that he has a tough time staying healthy. You know, he has two ACL tears. He's basically missed an entire season. Dak has been Mr. Durable and has been out there playing every single game. And, you know, all, all all the pundits say, you know, the best ability is availability. It's like mm-hmm. you need them out there to win you games. So the question is, you know, I think Dak Prescott has played 16 more games than Deshaun Watson has, yet they came out you know, at the same time. So it, it's tough. I, I mean, I think playing at their peak, no injury concerns. I think Deshaun Watson would get paid more. But 
when you're thinking about locking yourself into a long-term contract to a guy that already has two ACL tears, like if he tears it one more time, like is he even able to play quarterback the same way anymore? Yeah, I mean, the health has to be a factor into it. When I pulled up these stats real quick, if I told you that one of these two quarterbacks, you got 60, 65 and change for completion percentage, 66 and change. You've got 71 to 29 touchdown to interception ratio and 97 to 36. Uh, the latter being Dak Prescott, higher completion percentage for Watson. The ratio is right where you want it to be. Touchdowns to interceptions. It, it really does come down to that health risk, certainly. Um, and I think it's that thing of, right, if you went to, well, I mean, that's a question. If you could walk into the next off season and say, Dallas, your choice, who do you want as your quarterback? Do you think that they're swayed to go with Watson over Prescott? Whereas Houston, I don't think would hesitate to say, no, Watson is our guy. Yeah, I mean, well, the the way that Dallas has been acting with Dak seems like they're making him dance for his money a little bit more than than the Texans are. I think the Texans are more worried that Deshaun Watson won't sign a long-term extension, whereas the Cowboys are trying to say how cheaply can we get Dak to to kind of lock in here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, unfortunately with the franchise tags, obviously Watson's going to get paid, but in some ways I always I always wish that there was that that ability for NFL players to just say, "Listen, come at the close of this contract, I'm going to seek my options elsewhere. I'm going to openly hit the free agent market and you can come in with everybody else. Uh, the restriction of the franchise tag is obviously beneficial for teams and you end up getting paid. But for a guy like Watson, who's in line to be one of the top paid quarterbacks, it doesn't move the needle for him to get stuck on that one year deal. So at 24, will be 25 years old these next couple of seasons. You'd certainly rather see him get a chance to, to move somewhere else potentially. But uh, listen, as much as we said, boy, you know, Bill O'Brien is out of his mind and all these things, you got to let it play out. You actually had pointed it out to me when you said they were a good team last. You know, it's very easy to see what Bill O'Brien is doing and go, oh, my God, like this guy's out of his mind. But they had success. So, you know, they may look a little dysfunctional, but I would take the dysfunction and also the season success that, that we've seen from Houston, whereas the Giants have been dysfunctional for years and we're not achieving anything. Right. And, and you know, the, the Texans are are competitive in the division. They make the playoffs, right? The, the knock for between Dak and, and Deshaun is that Deshaun doesn't have any playoff wins and Dak has one playoff win. So, you know, to, to, to give them Patrick Mahomes money, you could basically say you've won one playoff game between the two of you guys. And, and like we haven't gotten to any AFC or NFC championship games you haven't won an MVP yet. Like show me that you can get to that level. And maybe we'll start talking about that top three, top five money. Now in the quarterback, in the quarterback direction here with the Mahomes deal, when you look around the league, you're going to have uh, Ben Roethlisberger. He's 38. Now his contract will be up in 2022. The following year, Kirk Cousins, who's currently 32, his contract will run out. Um, and then even, I mentioned before about a player like Aaron Rodgers, who still is under contract through 2024, but maybe the writing on, is on the wall a little bit. Until you get into the into the Lamar Jacksons, the Watsons, and then even into, and actually I want to ask you about uh, an, injured, an injured player as far as his new contract goes, but how do you see contracts playing out for some of these veteran players if they get another one, I think Roethlisberger, that's a retirement when, when he's said and done, um, his body has probably had about enough, but what about a player like a, like a Kirk cousins in 2023, when he's 
you know, 34 years old and with the way the NFL is probably still going to have a handful of years left in him. What kind of contract is he going to be looking at with the Vikings or on the open market? He, we've talked about Kirk Cousins at length. I think he's such a polarizing guy because the stats tell you that he's super accurate and his touchdown interception ratio is amazing, but you just don't feel when watching him that he's the guy that you want leading your organization. Mm. But I, I think you're right that the landscape is shifting. We've had the same 10 or 12 quarterbacks that have been perennial pro bowl players, you know, that you've never had to even think about it, set it and forget it. You're talking about your Tom Brady's, your Drew Brees's, your Eli Manning's, your Philip Rivers, your Ben Roethlisberger's. Like you could go on and on and on, you know, mm-hmm. even throw a guy like Matt Stafford in there. You're talking That's about it. guys that have been with their teams for a decade. And we're kind of moving away from that era. And we're now talking about the Mahomeses and the Watsons and maybe the Tua's, you know, we're, we're getting into a whole new grouping of people I'm curious to see what happens with some of these older players. Like, is this Phil Rivers' last year? If Cam Newton plays well, you know, if you're the Patriots, how do you not just franchise him and roll it back for a second year, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what does Jameis Winston do after backing up Drew Brees? Does he take over in New Orleans after learning under Sean Payton, or does he go somewhere else? There are so many different ways that this could play out, and I could see this league getting drastically younger in a matter of, of, like, 18 months. Like, we could have... 10 quarterbacks retire in an 18 month span. And it just turns the keys over to all these guys that we're talking about. Well, and when you, some of those other names on that, you mentioned a player like Stafford, uh, Garoppolo 2023, both of them, you can throw Derek Carr in there in 2023, other players like Drew Brees and Tom Brady, 2022. I think they're both out on, on these contracts. You would, you would assume, but uh, 2023, you'll also see Alex Smith, man. I would just love to see him be on the field at any point. That would just feel great. Teddy Bridgewater as well, though, down in Carolina. The interesting thing, like you said, a team um, like the Colts, they have over $50 million locked into their quarterback position between Brissett and Phillip Rivers, but they both come off the books at the same time. So they're going to have the opportunity to say, this went really well. We'll run it back with you, Phillip, if you're coming back or a team that actually is a pretty solid team on both sides of the ball may have a chance to say, who can we just slide in here? If Matthew Stafford is not going to get the big deal, I think this is the way some players that are aging are going to get a chance to still land a really big contract because say Detroit looks at it and goes, listen, ultimately we just, we never got there and it's time to rebuild this thing. We can't give you $40 million, Matthew Stafford. The Colts might say though, well, we'll give you a couple of years at 40, you know, 40 plus million because we're ready to do this right now. Or, you know, throw any of these teams, the Saints, right? If they don't bring James Winston, there's going to be teams that are in win now modes or even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're in a very interesting position of tight window with Tom Brady when he goes out and retires into the sunset. And even if he doesn't, they still have a ton of offensive weapons. They have great defensive talent. Like they're a plug and play kind of piece away as well. So that's how I think some of these veteran guys can still grab an extra payday. But you're right, you know, including the Daniel Jones and, and Josh Allens and Sam Darnold. Like these guys, this wave with Watson and Prescott and all these other guys, man, in the blink of an eye, you're going to have, I guess, the journeymen's are going to become the Derek Cars of the world, possibly. And all these other, there's all there's going to be seven or eight quarterbacks that we're so used to talking about after Sunday football, and they're all going to be gone. Yeah, and, and and that shift is bringing up all these all these guys that have been drafted in the last two or three years. You mentioned the the you know starting with the Mahomes draft class, but talking about the Sam Darnold draft class, 
with Baker Mayfield, you know, is he going to be around? This all kind of makes an interesting kind of turn to talk a little bit about Daniel Jones and think about does any of this contract stuff or all this movement or anything impact Daniel Jones in any way? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And you can include that entire class, right? Um, But it seems like most teams, they... So there is going to be an opportunity for Daniel Jones to make a strong case this year and then cement himself in year number three and earn himself a big payday. But not dissimilar to what we talk about with Dak Prescott in the sense of, what is the threshold for proving the value? Is it is it just in the stat lines and the eye test of what you see on the field because the Giants are a relatively bad team and, and might not be ready to really challenge for playoff spots for a couple of seasons? So you're not going to be able to necessarily gauge Daniel Jones on playoff success because they won't have been there. You win a Super Bowl and you're Patrick Mahomes and you're sub 23, 24 years old. Well, obviously you're you're going to get a payday. So I, I don't know how high that how high that pendulum can swing. And I think you're going to find him in the same grouping of Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and you know, Baker Mayfield, just because it's in that grouping, right? Of when these conversations start to come up, everyone is going to be looking around and saying, well, Josh Allen made the playoffs, right? Well, Sam Darnold gets injured. Well, Daniel Jones had a great completion percentage, but hasn't been, you know, hasn't had an opportunity to have big success. I I, I don't know. I, I think this is a, if you go by the adage of every time a contract gets signed, the next quarterback gets a bigger one, then it, it's all relative and it doesn't matter. But I think there has to be this precipice of, well, we can't be paying quarterbacks $65 million, right? Like the, 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 the cap, I don't think is ever going to sustain that, you know, at that level. So where does that threshold come and where, how high do you think these can go? Like, it feels like 50 million a year is going to be that type of figure for the foresee, at least for the next, you know, five to 10 years, probably. And then it comes down to guaranteed money. Do you, do you think that Daniel Jones, that this impacts Daniel Jones contract? Well, I, I think it impacts Daniel Jones pretty significantly just uh, in my mind. And I know this may sound crazy, but the way that I'm looking at it is this year, the giants may be faced with a fork in the road. I love Daniel Jones. And I think he was, he exceeded every expectation that I had of him last year. His stats bear it out. He, you know, he said his rookie year was better than any year that Sam Darnold or Josh Allen has put on paper to date. Mm-hmm. But I think it's an interesting situation that the Giants go one of two ways with this. If the Giants go, you know, nine and seven and sneak into the playoffs, that would be a massive success for the Giants. And you kind of would say, okay, if, if, if Daniel Jones does it again in year three, we got to reward him with top five money, right? He's, he's shown every year to get progressively better. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the converse side, I think is more interesting where if the giants struggle this year mightily or, and it could be because the team just isn't as good as we're, we're hoping they are or as competitive as they are, or Daniel Jones gets injured and the giants end up getting the first pick in the draft. Do the Giants dangle the number one pick to anyone that wants to take Trevor Lawrence to be able to rebuild their their franchise and get a war chest of first-round draft picks? Mm. Or would the Giants turn around and say, he's a a once-in-a-generational type talent that even though we like Daniel Jones, we would have to make a switch? 
Yeah, and listen, it, that probably ties into uh, you know where where is Gettleman falling? And coming into it, you assume the conversation was Joe Judge. If you're taking the head coaching job, your quarterback is going to be Daniel Jones. I think the only way I think that they get a war chest of assets in return, if that were to be the case, and the only way that they go the other direction is if Daniel Jones shows that he has that he, if he doesn't progress right if he doesn't improve on the 24 to 12 inter, you know, ratio over the 11 game sample size if the fumbles persisted those would be enough those you know, the fumbles alone might be a question of mark enough because everyone says that's a very fixable thing it's not a big deal well if in year number two you continue to struggle with that then I think you would say, okay, if it's so easily fixable and you couldn't do it, Daniel, then that might be red flag enough for the franchise to reboot it. Record, I think, plays a factor as well. And then you also have to bring into account with, with the idea of Saquon Barkley's contract is going to be coming up soon for them to negotiate with him. This is the commit in or pull out opportunity for the Giants in a lot of ways. You could move Sterling Shepard's contract, not re-sign Evan Ingram, not give uh, Saquon Barkley the next contract, and then jettison daniel jones and say this is the official reboot for the franchise as a fan of daniel jones and a, and a believer of daniel jones i think you're going to get proof in the pudding here this, this upcoming season and even if it were a disastrous year from a record standpoint that would just almost be great for the giants because give me all these assets let me continue to fix and build around daniel jones as opposed to saying do we want to reboot the the QB position because again and again you and I talked about this with Joe Burrow when we were doing our QB you know value breakdown everything you do in college is great and also it means absolutely nothing until I see you do it at the NFL level because we have seen this happen before with other quarterbacks and that includes Daniel Jones coming from relative obscurity at Duke and then all of a sudden proving that guess what my college track record is not the only thing you want to go by well, the the one caveat in all this that I just keep thinking about is NFL teams think about how can we win a Super Bowl with a quarterback that's on a rookie contract. Yeah. You know, Patrick Mahomes basically did it in what, three years? You know, Lamar Jackson is going into his third year. So you have these guys that are that are kind of in there, you know, starting to peak while costing the, the organization very little. If the Giants struggle this year and you have Daniel Jones in year three, you're 18 months away from having to pay Daniel Jones significant money or, or you get into the Dak Prescott situation. If you say that the team isn't ready to compete and you hit the reset button, wouldn't that make more sense then to go with Trevor Lawrence and get an additional two years of a quarterback on a rookie contract? I know that it's, it's crazy hyperbole, but it's just one of those things where think about how much flexibility you get as a team and how many players you can sign when you're only paying a, a very good quarterback six million dollars a year yeah the interesting thing i guess in that regard would be saying uh when you take a look at and this isn't this isn't a big number but when you go to Tua there with the dolphins right i just wanted to get that number as a high as a high pick you talk about eight eight million or so right now that number will be a little bit higher next year when you go to draft so you're going to be close to ten million dollars that's not remotely crazy money when you think about the quarterback position but it's not insignificant like sometimes i think and this is true of daniel jones too because he's making a little over six million right now or a little below six million excuse me but the difference between six million and ten million is not insignificant and how that escalates over those first couple of years i think sometimes like if you get your quarterback at eight or nine or ten you you still save yourself a little bit especially as that thing starts to escalate so 
if you rebooted and you were the Giants, you'd also be saying, well, it's going to be 10 million basically at the gate. And by year two, you're already going to be paying 15 ish million, probably something in that range. And it, again, still way more manageable, but just interesting because you're and also too, by the way, if you have a really bad season and you're going to reboot like that, what you're also saying is, well, we're not, we're still not ready. So you're probably, all you're doing is pushing back that quarterback position and saying, but we still have to address all these other areas. So right. that, that's where I think there's the flaw in it. And at that point, again, even, even if you said, we don't know if Daniel Jones is hundred percent, the guy for us, you'd still, I, I would still be of the mind of saying, great. So still trade away the number one overall pick. If you were in that position, get a ton of assets, plan not to resign Daniel Jones and just fix the roster over the next hand couple of seasons to prepare yourself to be bad, to get a number one pick and get your quarterback. But uh, this to me, and we've said this before on the podcast is all, this is all hyperbole because I do believe Daniel Jones out of that group. We we talked about with Darnold and Josh Allen, uh, you know, and, and Baker Mayfield, like I'm taking Daniel Jones over those quarterbacks as it stands right now today. So I, I already feel like I know enough to want to move forward with him. Yeah, and, and I'm the same as you. And if Daniel Jones progresses in year two and then and they make the playoffs in either of the next two years, and I think he's kind of shown that he is potentially the guy that the, the Giants don't need to worry about the quarterback position for the next five, seven, seven years. Um, it is it is interesting knowing how these contracts are structured that you probably have the four years with you know with with the the fifth year option basically and then some franchise tags you could have him under control for as long as you want it without giving him a big deal. But as we bring it back to Dak Prescott, you, if you wait too long during that pendulum swing, then all of a sudden all the power goes to the player and they could kind of just sit there and wait this whole thing out. If they continue to keep their market value. Yeah. And listen, we had some other things we we're going to touch on, but we've already, we're, we're buttoning up against 40 minutes here, sir. So we'll close out on this idea back with Mahomes, the contract that he signed, it's it's easy for for Kansas City to to want to extend him having won a Super Bowl and him being still so young but I think you you do need the right personality with the quarterback position as well the right demeanor and it you know I I heard this shout out to uh, friends of the podcast Boomer and Geo uh, on the morning on the fan but they were talking about how they had had him in studio and they said the way that Mahomes talked after having signed the contract where he basically said listen this is a really fun time for me obviously like Great, great to be getting this money, but also the plan is to win more and win more Super Bowls over the, over the you know the next ten, over the next twelve years. That's the goal that I want to have. And they said that he sounded like the exact same kid that he was when he was first drafted. And I think you you do need that because at some point you do need to go to your quarterback and say, hey, can we adjust this cap hit number? Um, and you do need a guy that I hate to say it, I, I think athletes should always get as much money as they can. So, because you don't know what your expectancy is going to be, what your longevity is in the NFL. But man, when you're making half a billion dollars, right? Like the <laughs> at some point, the, the the there's change that you can leave on the table that's never going to hurt your bottom line, right? Mahomes is going to be able to take the sixty three million dollar check that got cut as soon as he signed, invest that cash, and he's set for life. So now you get to have the opportunity if you are a true competitor and you really want to cement your football legacy, now you get to do so, and you're not going to have to worry about that other stuff. And I, I, I think that that's important, and having that balance between an organization that values the player and a player that appreciates wanting to be in one place and wanting to be a part of that community, that's how you get down to this point. And that's maybe, and this is probably the knock that you can have on Dallas if you want, 
they're not always like that, right? They don't always have that mentality of keeping the face of the organization in place. Um, They feel a little more cutthroat than some other spots. The Giants, to their own detriment, right? Maybe we're a little too loyal in some of these areas that ended up costing them as far as rebuilding, but it, it, it can't be overlooked. And I, I, I think that at the very least, that's what the Chiefs accomplished here is just having harmony for for at least the next five, six, seven years with Patrick Mahomes. And it'll be interesting to see as some of these other names come up, like Watson, you know, like even Lamar Jackson. He seems to be the same type of kid. That, that gets it and wants to be there, but how those things get handled and how the organizations approach it are going to be very interesting for how these players react. Yeah. And, and the, the last thing I'll say about the Mahomes deal, just because it is a, a historic deal that's been uh, signed in the NFL. It, it basically rivals a, a baseball contract, which is pretty funny considering Patrick Mahomes was a former baseball player and potentially could have gone and played baseball if he wanted to. Um, you know, one of the things and, and the reasons why Mahomes signs this one, it's for security mm-hmm. Two, it's for this allows us more flexibility, not having to think of my contract. Maybe like we can start thinking about how to get other players now that we already know what I'm going to cost over this certain amount of time. And, and the third thing is Andy Reid, for as long as he's been around for is, o- is only a young 62 years old. So if you think about like, will Andy Reid be around for five years if I had to sign yes or no I think he is so you know Mahomes says the organization believes in me I have a coach that I get along with really well this deal is going to help set my family and my children up forever mm-hmm. and I get to be in one place and and so I, I think it's a great deal for ever everyone all around I don't think you should worry about the 12 years I think cut it in half let's see if we can make it to six years and then that'll probably be the next time they renegotiate this thing by the way, probably frees up a little bit of cash if you want to take care of Chris Jones and not have that become an issue, which seems like it was right on the verge of it. Getting this deal done also helps to maybe adjust some things on that end as well. Be interesting to see what they do there. We'll briefly touch on it before we get out the door. Let's bring every we brought everybody up with an uplifting story about a young QB getting his payday. Let's drag everyone into the gutter here, Andy, as two games were cut off the preseason. Uh, there's a lot of speculation around this. It seems like the the arrogance of the NFL has never been stronger. And uh, I'll, I'll fa- I think it was Bruce Arians who said, basically what we're looking at here is everybody's going to get sick. It's just going to be a matter of can we manage it and can we continue to move forward? That seems to be the NFL's approach. Are you Are you getting a little bit more timid just about the start of the season even specifically that this feels like it could get pushed back a little bit and how how at risk are we of not of not watching NFL football? Yeah, I think we're getting much closer than I, I thought we would. I, I always knew, and we talked about it, on, I think, on the last podcast right before they announced it that they would probably shorten the preseason games because – it makes no sense whatsoever to have those guys out there for four additional games against each other like, that don't mean anything. I would be shocked if the season ends up going on the way that they just announced that it will with the two preseason games and then the way that they have it structured. I think I think we're in for, for two things. One is I, I doubt we're going to play two preseason games. I'd be surprised if we play one. They may just go into the season and say, figure it out, do inner inner scrimmages with other teams. Mm -hmm. We can't risk having these players out there for preseason games. And then the second thing is, I don't necessarily know if they're going to play the full season. They may say, we got to shorten this thing up. We need a little bit more time. Let's play 12 games and just figure it out from there. I, I think there's a really good scenario that 
we're not going to see a normal season, you know, quote unquote, in terms of the amount of games. And I'm, I'm still cautiously optimistic that we will get the NFL. I just don't think it's going to look the way that they just announced that, you know, the games are going to be structured. Yeah. The longstanding opinion has been, Oh, well they can always play this into January and February and you know, whatever they want to, the, the, you know, the NFL can, can push the season around as much as they want, but I would be curious, right. Uh, you know, MLB is trying to push towards a very shortened season. I, I would be interested to see, I think on the front end is probably when you'd see more of the adjustment, but there's a chance that they push back the first two weeks to give a little bit of breathing room around it. And then they also have to maybe shorten it or they have to take a pause at some point. So it's going to be interesting how that goes. And it's going to be interesting to see how the players and teams look early in the season. Because as we know, the off season, these preseason games, the reps are what are so important, not just to getting a rhythm, but avoiding injury, getting up to NFL ready speed. So that's going to be something to watch for as well. And if you want a silver lining from a Giants perspective, this probably muddles the league out a little bit more everyone probably comes back to middle a little bit where i think you can get some surprising wins along the way here even if it is health and everything being you know being provided that if there's some positive tests along the way just what what team is getting run out there on a week-to-week basis maybe you catch some lucky spots there as well Whew. take a breath friends we did it and we did it together you can follow the one giant podcast on social media at one giant podcast you can also download rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled we will be back in again soon talking well all things big blue but also all things nfl until then andy let the people know as always let's go big blue man (laughs) 